Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice and the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. Uh, here's Corwin. He's going to say hi. Hi. I'm rushing through this because Corwin and I already started talking about stuff that we really should have been recording before we started looking at it, but now we're talking about it, and so I'm really excited to get to this total bullshit that has nothing to do with anything uh, that we were talking about just before we started recording. Corwin, you're, you're locked and loaded. Lay it on me. You had just mentioned that you did not think the Pro Bowl existed during the year 1940. I will neither confirm nor deny that suspicion. I want to hear from you when you think it would make sense for the Pro Bowl to have originated. Because so for me, I when I think of like Pro Bowl All-Star games, I think of the first being MLB because they they're so fucking old. And like, you know, they 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 had a lot of that type of stuff first. And I think theirs was in like 35. And I wouldn't be surprised if you told me the NFL was quite a ways behind because they didn't even start the first Super Bowl didn't even happen until 66 or some shit like like they were a ways back. So the Pittsburgh Steelers were created. So I, I want to say that that if the NFL had a Pro Bowl-like scenario, it probably wouldn't have been post-Super Bowl, but because there's so much slow moving, in my mind, I can't accept it before 1955. Okay. The first Pro Bowl was during the 1938 season. Eat my dick. <laughs> With the name Pro Bowl being coined for the first time in 1950. Okay. All right. Actually, I, I'm actually not far off in terms of the name convention, but that is also not the question. So no, no, no yes. points. So we got onto this because I saw a very funny um, picture on Pro Football References page when we when we started up for a, a man by the name of, of Bernie Masterson, which sounds like the bad guy from an 80s movie with like a fake all American boy nickname type of thing. But no, he was a real guy. He was. Born in 1911 in Shenandoah, Iowa, and apparently is still alive. Oh, no, died. He died. Never mind. I didn't see the died part. He died in 1963. He did not live a long time. Wow. So sorry, Bernie. Um, but he made one Pro Bowl. He was an NFL champ. Uh, and if you look him up on Pro Football Reference, you'll see that his um, picture on the website looks more like a headshot than it does the picture of a man who played professional sports. And Corn and I were fixated with this one year of his career in 1937, in which he led the NFL in touchdowns with nine as a quarterback, uh, had 72 attempts in a full uh, 10 game season for him. I should say 10 game season, not full 10 game season. There was more games than that. Uh, he completed only 26 of his attempts. That's a 36.1% completion percent, 615 yards for a season, nine touchdowns, seven interceptions uh corwin heller my friend i asked you who had the second most passing yard or what the, the number of the second most passing yards was for the 1937 season you said 850 that would have been you, good for second you what you said you just asked me what the second most passing yards were for me i'm sorry I, I asked you what the most yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, was you gave me the number that would be good for second most the most passing yards and i also am so excited to read these names to you um, the most passing yards that season was was Sammy Baugh of the, I guess, Washington yeah. football team at the time with eleven hundred twenty seven yards in a, in a, in a season. Eleven hundred twenty seven yards, eight touchdowns, 14 interceptions that year for Sammy. Pat Coffey 
of, I actually um, know who that is. You know Pat Coffey of the Chicago Cardinals? No, Sammy Baugh. Oh, okay. Uh, Sammy Baugh, I think, is a Hall of Famer. I'm going to look it up. He very yeah, he is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, Hall of Famer, six Pro Bowls, four All-Pros. Hall of Fame, All-40s team, two-time NFL champ, Sammy Baugh. Uh, Pat Coffey had 824 passing yards that season, four touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Then Ed Donowski had 814 passing yards, eight touchdowns, five interceptions. Arnie Herber of Green Bay, 684 yards, seven touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Bernie Masterson had was fifth in yards with his 615. Uh, other names in the top 10, Bob Monnet, 580. Ace Parker, 514. Dave Smuckler, 432. Um Bob Snyder, which eh, whatever, uh, 378. And then oh. George Gross, Grossven, Grossvener, George Grossvener, uh, 325. And man, it really begs the question of what did they expect out of the quarterback role in 1937? Because if you're letting a dude go out there and throw 11 interceptions on the back of four touchdowns, like, are you, are you good with that? You let him play a lot. You okay with that for Pat Coffee? I'm going to even blow your mind on top of that. Just going back to Sammy Ball. Um, have you ever heard of him before this? Um, I, I must have because when I, when I heard the name, I th- thought to myself, that man's in the Hall of Fame. But I literally couldn't tell you why I knew why I had that feeling or knew that. So, no, I'm going to say no for all intents and purposes. No. So he was the first prolific passer in the NFL, essentially. Um, he actually had a career-high 2,900 receiving or passing yards, which was fucking insane, uh, especially in 1947. Um, Hall of Famer as a quarterback. Also a Hall of Famer as a punter. Really? And retired with the all-time record for average yards per punt which is still second all time to this day. Wow. Yeah. Oh, you know what else is interesting? His position that's listed on pro football reference from 1937 to 1943 is as tailback. Yeah. 1930s and 40s football was weird, dude. Yeah. He's the first player in league history to intercept four passes in a game. He is the only player in league history to lead the league in passing, punting, and interceptions in the same Dog, season. He, yeah, he had 11 <laughs> interceptions on defense in 1943. What the fuck? He recovered. He forced 15 fumbles in 1947. Are you fucking kidding me? What the fuck am I looking at? This is garbage. This is, and you see, this this is part of the problem when you try to do error adjusted stuff because there's no rules. There was no rules. He retired with 13 NFL records. 13. Two still stand today. You know, it's pretty wild that he retired as one of like the greatest athletes of his sport of his generation. And then he died like 15 years. Oh, no, he died in 08. I'm still stuck on Bernie Masterson. Okay, so he lived a good long while. Bernie Masterson died, like, weirdly young. Okay, no, Sammy Ball lived, lived a long, healthy. Maybe that's why I know his name. He died in 08. I, our lives overlapped. Okay. All right. 
Sure. All right, I can buy this. So fourteen um, interceptions. All right, hold on, hold on. Just, just uh, one, one more. I, I don't know it yet. I'm, 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 I'm gonna look it up. Fourteen interceptions, right? Mm-hmm. From, from Sammy Baugh led the league. How many interceptions do you think they were getting on defense at that time? I don't even know how to begin to answer that question. I can't answer that question. I have absolutely no comprehension of how that works. I can't. All right. So actually, I can't even tell you because they didn't keep track of player interceptions uh, at that time. I've got team interceptions thrown. Wait, interceptions thrown? No, I want interceptions. Wait, what? So you can't tell me. Uh, wait, that's fucking confusing. How many interceptions? Why does it say thrown? I don't understand why it would tell me the number of interceptions thrown if I'm looking at defense. All right, hold on. 1937 Giants had 30 interceptions. Does that mean that they intercepted the ball 30 times? Yeah, okay, okay. So the 1937 Giants intercepted the ball 30 times. Corwin, Heller, how yes. many interceptions do you think the team with the most interceptions has this year? Uh, it's got to be the Cowboys, and I'll say that they have 17. It is the Cowboys. They have 25. Oh. When one of those players on that team has 11 by himself, I imagine that's actually been an interesting talking point uh, that I, I've heard recently because I did not realize that um, what's his fucking name? Uh, Trayvon Diggs was having a mixed-ish season, I guess, from what I've heard. I know I saw a stat the other day that he's been allowing like an insane amount of yards and whatnot, but has been picking off the ball like crazy. Or am I misremembering this? He himself has given up over a thousand yards receiving, which is good for, I think, the fifth worst all time by a single player, um, but has 11 interceptions to go along with it. Ooh, which is... Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, um, oh, that's his interception yards. See, I can't find the amount of yards he's allowed in coverage. It's going to be, I don't even know where to begin to uh, find that off the top of my head. Um, Cornerback. Okay, so it's it's worse. I got it. I found it. He's allowed 907 air yards per completion and uh, 411 yards after the catch. Yeah, that's that's a big fucking oof. It's a solid oof. Amani Arawarie has the third most interceptions in the NFL. Go Penn State. Yards per completion is 17. So that actually poses a really interesting risk reward. Or like um, uh, risk ass- uh, assessment of throwing in Trayvon Diggs's coverage. Like, how much do you value the negative value of an interception versus the positive value of seventeen yards per completion? You know what I mean? Like, that's a very interesting because eventually there's going to be a tipping point. Like, if you were throwing to a guy that had a fifty percent chance of picking off the ball, or uh, not even maybe la- la- a ten percent chance of picking off the ball. Or a 90% chance of, I mean, allowing you to score 
like cover the full length of the field, you're taking that chance every fucking time. Cause it means in 10 opportunities, you're scoring nine touchdowns and allowing one pick, which who gives a fuck at that rate. But obviously when you reduce the number of yardage allowed and fiddle with the, I guess well, the interception percentage is probably lower than that, but still it's a, it's an interesting math that I wonder how teams right. process. And it's one of those things where he is so aggressive as a cornerback it's allowed him like it's a cause and effect. Like he has 11 interceptions because of how aggressive he is. He's also given up 1300 yards because of how aggressive he is. And if you are less aggressive, you'll give up less yards, but you'll also get less interceptions. Um, I mean, if you were to ask fans, all Cowboys fans would say he's the best cornerback in the NFL and he's the defensive player of the year. Uh, they're wrong. If you ask PFF, they'll say he's the worst cornerback in the NFL because he's given up so many yards. And I'll say they're also wrong. Um, it genuinely is a really nice mix in the middle. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's worked well enough for the Cowboys. Like, I can't say Trayvon Diggs is the reason they've lost any singular game. Um, but I'm sure he's put them in pretty good position to come back and score, seeing as they also have a really good offense. Um, so I think if you have a prolific offense, it's way more valuable to get those interceptions than it is to give up those yards. And if you're a terrible team that can't score, you're just trying to you know prevent them from scoring because you won't be able to com- you know compete. And if you're not going to be able to score off that interception anyway, there's nowhere near as much value from that as just a guy who can lock down coverage. He is going to be a fascinating case study about what the value of the cornerback position is moving forward, as especially in recent years, his coverage, pure coverage has gotten harder and harder and harder. I mean, with defensive pass interference becoming significantly more common than it has been in, in years past. And that's not a new trend. You know, we've been seeing that for years now um, as well Sammy as Sammy ball would be appalled with these pass interference rules. Ugh. Horrified. Poor, poor Sammy. Um, Could you imagine R&D. Sammy ball attempting to come back and play quarterback in the NFL today? Oh, he get burned. Please. He, he would have to DPI. He would have to hold people. He would be climbing on people's backs, begging them to stop. I think the fear that, would be imposed by just the way the NFL is played today. I think the fear of the fact the that there'd be black people on the field. <laughs> <laughs> he would walk onto an NFL field and be like, whoa, whoa. Oh Let's God. not forget, this is a man born in the 1910s in Texas. This is not a progressive person by by all statistical guessing. This is very likely a man. And that goes not even just Texas. 1911. The whites, the whites aren't, aren't where they are today, and they're not in a good space today. Could you imagine him sharing a locker room with the likes of, like, an Antonio Brown? Just an absolute crazy person who also is black and would scare him regardless of what he says when he opened his mouth, but would also scare most people because of what he says when he opened his mouth. So they call you Mr. Big Chest, huh? <laughs> I don't know why, but every old-timey Southern white person to me, immediately, I have the voice of Foghorn Leghorn in my brain. 
immediately that's the that's the voice that comes to mind. I'm Sammy Bossy. I mean, anyone who I say, I say, I say, boy. This is this is not even close to what we had planned on talking about today. No, at least we got it oh, out of the way. Also, early. the stuff I was like losing my mind over when you were talking about the quarterbacks of 1937 was just some of the information about the Pro Bowl is just. Do you watch the Pro Bowl ever? Uh, like the Olympics, once every four years. Sure. I don't know if I've even seen it that often. Some of the rules and how it worked in the past is fucking fascinating and could be an entire episode for us. So I need you to promise me to avoid any and all information regarding the Pro Bowl until we are able to record a full podcast about the Pro Bowl. All right, you got it. Which actually works out well. So if you've noticed, we, we, we neglected to drop an episode on Monday yet again. And that was a choice this time. Uh, that choice, Corey and I got on to record and combed through headlines to see if we missed anything and had nothing to talk about. Literally nothing. It would be us forcing something to have happened or to you know, dredge up some random bullshit to discuss. So we just ended up not recording at all. And instead recorded another new episode of our movies podcast, using the big screen, check it out, talking about Golden Globe nominees and shit. Um, but that that that's a, a great idea in the in the event that it's another quiet week, which it might be depending. We'll see over the weekend. Seeing um, as we'll never get baseball again. No. But we no, do have stuff to talk about today. You want to move into our actual topics for today? Yes. All right. Well, then let's start with the standing stuff. We have some other stories, you know, that I'm sure you guys have seen other stories. There are other stories. We'll get to them. Uh, we'll get this out of the way first, uh, because we are heading into the last week of the regular season. And as it has been the case for the past three weeks, as we've been doing these, which we do not usually do, because when it's week seven, who gives a fuck now the playoff picture changes? Like uh, no one gives a shit if a four and three team is facing off against a three and four team because for all intents and purposes, they're the same in week seven or playing a week eight, whatever. So who gives a shit? Uh, Anyway, last week there has been movement and there is a new top dog in the AFC. And can you believe it's the Tennessee Titans are the number one seed? In the AFC, which is the stupidest bullshit on the fucking planet. We just talked last week about how the Titans are nonsense. At least I said the Titans are nonsense. I don't understand them. I don't I don't care about them. The fact that they're here is so disinteresting to me. And yet, because the, the Chiefs lost a, a nail biter against the Bengals, 31 to 34, and the Titans smoked the Dolphins. 34 to three. Uh, they're the fucking one seed due to tiebreakers, which is hilarious. And it's not like the week 17, 18 matchup is really going to help um, the chiefs at all, because between the two, they have the harder matchup uh, as the Titans will take on the Texans week 18. And the chiefs will take on the Broncos. I'm not saying the Broncos are like a barn burner of a team, but if we're comparing the Broncos to the Texans, I mean, the Texans make the Broncos look like, well, the chiefs, 
So. Wow. What a wild season they've had. They've been fucking awful and then had a stretch where they beat the Bills, Chiefs, Colts, Rams, and Saints all in a row, five straight weeks, and have just been piss poor prior and after all of those games. They've lost to the Texans. They've they've beaten the Jaguars, but let's be honest, that hasn't really said much. They got blown out by the Patriots. They lost to the Steelers, which they should be ashamed of. Squeaked out a win against the 49ers and smoked the Dolphins. Like, I get that they don't have Derrick Henry, and it's a very different team now than they were when they went on that impressive five-game run. But would, I don't think I'd put them in the top four or five teams in the AFC right now. It is, it's just astonishing how uneven the performance of the AFC as a whole has been this year. The NFC has been relatively consistent, even though the records aren't hardly disparate. Like they've lost when an NFC team has lost, it has typically been against a very good team. And you go, ah, that makes sense. They would lose against that team. And every team in there has a, a, a weird loss or two. But like the Bengals lost to the Jets. Like it's been a weird year in the AFC for who had the Dolphins were allowed a seven game win streak against some decent teams. It's been a weird year in the AFC, even though the records side by side are probably going to be relatively even for strength at the top. It's just like the the routes gone to to have to have gotten to this point are just so strange. So, anyway, the one seed. I got to I got to step out for a sec. I think I got some paper towels. I just spilled something. <laughs> we will carry on in your name. Um, the number one seed is the Tennessee Titans. They'll be playing the Texans this week. The number two seed is the Chiefs. We're playing the Broncos this week. Now I don't know if anything changes because I don't know the tiebreakers about like if the Titans were to lose to the the Texans and if the Chiefs were to beat the Broncos, I don't know if the their division record, their record within division is one of the tiebreakers that would affect who plays what. All right, I'm muted Corin for him. So I suppose there's a universe in which the Chiefs could take over the Titans to regain their one seat and to take the bye week. There we go. Uh, but as it stands right now, the, t- the Titans have it, and it seems like it'd be a pretty tough thing for them to lose if they win. Um, the number three seed, our, our NFC North division winner right now, uh, no, well, locked in, I don't see how they could possibly lose it, is the uh, Cincinnati Bengals at 10-6. and six. So in a world in which the Titans and Chiefs both lose the and the Bengals win, there'd be a three-way tie at 11-5. and five. I don't know how the t- unless they're 11-6. and six, don't know how those tiebreakers work out. But the Bengals are playing the Browns. The Browns are benching Baker Mayfield. That's something we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, so chances are they should be able to walk over the Browns. Um, but who, who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows? Um, the Browns, I don't think, have a lot to fight for right now. I think they have a lot more to gain by learning how they're younger players it, it, not quite in the baseball way but you know some of the like I mean, they were practice um practice squad guys third four stringers could could perform i don't know uh, this, this is not a, a prove it game for the browns this is not a go out and pummel game for the browns uh, i think the Bengals should probably walk this one in do you have any interest in this matchup core one uh Bengals browns yeah um Solely because I want to see the Bengals 
punish the Browns. I want to see the Browns be, I want the Browns to be broken by the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals are still a rival. Don't get me wrong. But I really want to see the Browns just be. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, no, I don't give a shit. All right. Uh, So that takes us to our last division winner, which is the um, Bills are set to take the division for the AFC East. They are playing the Jets, which should be a nice, easy win for them. The Patriots are just below them playing the Dolphins. Now, if the Bills lose and the Patriots win, well, that means that the Patriots would then win the division and the Bills would get relegated to the fifth seed. It doesn't really matter uh, for being honest, but just between these two teams, because they are four and five, which means they will be playing fucking each other. So as long as their seating remains the same, yeah, home field advantage, suck my balls. Uh, but in terms of adjusting your True opponent, who, who gives a shit? So uh, I'm sh- I, both teams would love to win. I fucking get it. Home field advantage matters. I fucking get it. Who cares? So uh, moving on. Those are the teams that have clinched. Teams that have not yet technically clinched. Uh, but are if the season ended, they would be in the playoffs today. Are the Colts at 9-7. and seven, They're playing the Jags. And the Chargers... At nine and seven, they're playing the Raiders, and the Raiders are also nine and seven. Now, this got brought up on Twitter or Reddit uh, a couple days ago, uh, which is that because the Colts game is first this week, if the Jaguars beat the Colts, the Colts would be nine and eight, and that would mean that the Chargers and Raiders could technically both decide not to play their game, de facto give them a bye week, and then both make the playoffs because they both have a better record than the Colts, which would never happen, but is a hilarious consideration. And more likely in a high. More probable. Thank you. Uh, They could both agree to just take a knee on every single play. And then not only would they both make the playoffs, but the Steelers would make the playoffs. So I vote for that one. Hey, if they want to forfeit, I'm not going to say no. The either, Steelers but... would only make the playoffs, though, if they won. Yeah, but, you know, they're playing the Ravens without Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah, but they they're, they're, but they're the they Steelers. Have... <laughs> Correct. But hear me out. No. Big Ben's. Big... Okay. Too sure. <laughs> I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. Ben's, Big Ben's. I'm going to say it anyway. Big Ben's <laughs> last you? game. Yes. TJ Watt going for the all-time sack record. Just needs one and a half against one of the worst offensive lines in football. I think they're going to be gunning for it. I think the Steelers are going to be all in on this game. I think the Ravens are going to be deflated, deflated and defeated uh, because they just have nothing to really fight for other than to ruin it for the Steelers, which, again, is, is probably a good amount of motivation for them to begin with. Um, I think I think the Steelers are going to – are going to come out ahead. Uh, it does not matter to me. I do not. I do not care. Um, and that is not because of an anti-Steelers or pro-Ravens bias. It is because, in all likelihood, um, the Chargers and Raiders will play their fucking game. And even if there was the mutual benefit of a again de facto bye week by them not playing, it is a divisional game. They are divisional rivals, and 
what's better than making the your making the playoffs is preventing a divisional rival from making the playoffs, which either team will get to do with a win. And that is why the Colts will make the playoffs. Um, like I have a 99% certainty that they will make the playoffs and that one of the Chargers or Raiders will make the playoffs. So what happens with the Steelers down below? Oh, it's actually just the Steelers and Ravens. They're both not technically eliminated yet. Uh, really doesn't matter. So the Colts win, get in with a win, and they get in with one of the Chargers and Raiders losing. So that's that's what will happen. Uh, yeah. I prefer it if the Chargers won. Uh, maybe the Raiders. No, the Raiders. We'll go, let's go Gruden. Let's go Gruden. Um, sorry, let's go. Let's go. Team. <laughs> I, I forgot which head coach we were, we were praising. It's it's not John Gruden. It's Matt. Let's go Matt. Um, I don't really care about the Colts presence. They, they don't do anything for me. Um, it is funny, though, that Carson Wentz will have made the playoffs with um, his new team, as the Eagles will also be making the playoffs with their new quarterback. I guess that's truly mutually beneficial. Sure. I mean, I guess, I mean, Carson Wentz needed to get out of Philly and Philly sure as hell found themselves a new quarterback that I prefer. So, yeah. Also, just beneficial. Just shout outs to the Indianapolis Colts GM who has managed to make the playoffs two years in a row with veteran quarterbacks coming in in their first year in the system. Oh, I would give just so much money for Chris Ballard to be the GM of my favorite team. Like, he's done an amazing. Love the Steelers GM, but like Chris Ballard, arguably one of the best, if not the best GM in football. I mean, this is an incredible feat. To make the playoffs in the first season from moving on from a quarterback is already very difficult. They've now done it twice with two wildly different quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, Phillip Rivers, who was like shoulder throwing uh, a lob by the end of his career, got them to the playoffs. And then Carson Wentz, who's coming off of being a, a, a medical mystery at this point in his fucking career, he gets them to the playoffs. To be able to you do know, that the, with the roster is amazing. The Colts have a lot of experience with medical mysteries at quarterback. So that's true. That's true. Uh, so could yeah, the rest imagine, of the AFC. Could you fucking imagine this team if Andrew Luck didn't retire? Dude, no. But you know what? It might end up being worse. It might end up be a, being a worse team because that's the that's the tough part about being the one dude in your group that does all the work, man. They don't think they, that you need any extra resources. You're doing fine. You got this guy. He's killing it. I know. Chris Ballard is so fucking good at, like, drafting players that, like, I, I think they would have found that success anyway. I think you're probably right, but, yeah. So, anyway, that's the AFC playoff picture. Really not much can substantively happen here. Obviously, there is a situation in which there could be a super fun five-way tie at 11-5, and 11-6. and six. If the Texans beat the Titans, the Broncos beat the Chiefs, and then the Bengals beat the Browns, Bills beat the Jets, and Patriots beat the Dolphins, the top five teams in the AFC playoff hunt would all be 11 and, five, 11 and 6. That would be kind of fun. Um, the likelihood of that, though, is pretty small. It would require the Jets winning a game um, and the Texans winning a game. Uh, that's a lot to ask <laughs> for those two teams. 
Um, so in all likelihood, the only real undecided spot is the seventh seed, which whatever, who cares? All right. Well, that brings us then over to the NFC, which is all largely locked in. There is a one spot yet to be determined. Um, so the number one seed is still the Packers. They play the Lions this week. Uh, they'll probably walk away with a win in that game as the Lions have only won two of their contests this season. And they'll likely then hang on to their bye week at 13 and three. They have a one game advantage over the Rams and Bucks, both at 12 and four. But again, the likelihood of that changing is just so slim. It's non-existent, uh, right? The, who would bet on the Lions to beat the, the Packers at this point? Uh, degenerate gamblers. Guys who lost it all on the ponies. I just need this one last part of my parlay to hit and I can get the house back, honey. Um, you bet it on the Lions beating the Packers? The odds were 9,000 to 1. I couldn't not. All right. I'm just shouting in my apartment. Uh, the Rams are playing the Niners this week. That game will have a lot of implications for what happens with the Niners. Um, we'll get there in a second. Uh, the, but they're going to win their division in all likelihood. The Cardinals, who are the second place team in that division, and the five seed are playing the Seahawks, which uh, it's it's the Seahawks of this season, which are six and ten and not good. The Cardinals have hit kind of a mediocre stretch. I don't want to say a skid, but a mediocre stretch for that team so far for this latter half, latter quarter of the season. But I, I'd put money on them to to win their game. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't, I don't think the Rams would lose this spot. I'll put it that way. But I don't think so either. We'll get there in a second. Either way, the division winner will be one of the Cardinals or Rams in the a- NFC South. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the third seed as they've won their division. They have no ability to lose it. Even if the saints win this week, they'll only be nine and eight. Uh, the Bucks losing put them at twelve and five, so they're locked into the to uh, one of the top four seeds, the highest they could go. Uh, I don't know about the tiebreakers; they could pass the Rams, go to the second seed if the Rams lose. But I don't know if uh, the Packers lose and the Bucks win what the tiebreakers are for getting the first seed. But also, who cares? Cowboys are playing the Eagles this week. It doesn't really matter what happens here. For the Cowboys, they're going to win their division no matter what. For the Eagles, there's some implications. We'll get there in just a second. So, seeds one through five, just again. Packers, Rams, Bucks, Cowboys, Cardinals. All of those teams will make the playoffs. It just kind of matters very slightly what order. um, And it won't be any great shifts. Now, these last two spots can be distributed amongst three teams. And it's a lot different than the AFC picture in which there's a lot more direct competition happening here for it. And what I mean by that is for the Niners to make the playoffs, they either need to win their game against the Rams to go to 10 and seven, or for the saints to lose their game against the Falcons to drop them down to eight and nine, because if the saints win their game against the Falcons and the Falcons who are, uh, seven and nine, so not a horribly worse team than the Saints. But if they were to win their game against the Falcons, that would put them at nine and eight, which means that a Niners loss, I'm assuming based on the tiebreakers, considering the fact that the Saints are still here, would mean that the Saints would make the playoffs over the Niners. 
Now, the Eagles apparently have clinched their spot, again, I would assume due to tiebreakers. But if the season ended today, they'd be the seventh seed. So their seeding can change, but they will make the playoffs. It really comes down to what happens with this Saints, Falcons, and Niners-Rams matchup. The Eagles could lose their game against the Cowboys and drop down to 9-8, and but it wouldn't matter in terms of their ability to make the playoffs. It would really just matter in terms of if the Saints can pass the Niners uh, and claim what looks to be the sixth seed is what's on the table here. Um, Now, if you ask me which team I'd rather have in the playoffs, it would probably be the Niners. They're a more interesting team. Um, They're a much more put-together team outside of the injuries that they have. The Saints being here is kind of a fucking miracle um, and feels wholly undeserved. But it is an interesting bit of drama here. I think the 49ers should make it. Like you said, they are a woefully better team than the Saints just through and through. Um, But the idea of Taysom Hill basically Tebowing another team like what happened in 08 um, is just too, just too appetizing to pass up. I just don't want to see that happen. And that's honestly the more likely scenario because again, for the Niners to make the playoffs, they have to beat the Rams. And that is not looking good because the Rams reason for competing is, is, is twofold. It's, if they win and the Green Bay Packers lose, I don't know the tiebreakers, but they have a chance to go for the number one seed, which every team wants because it's a bye week. And mm-hmm. if they win, the Niners don't make the playoffs, assuming the Saints win, which is a huge reason to compete, to keep another divisional rival out of the out of the playoffs. They're already going to have to deal with the Cardinals. Actually, that's the third reason, because if they lose and the Cardinals win, Again, I'm not sure of all the tiebreakers, but it would enter into a situation where the Cardinals might pass them for home field advantage by winning the division. There's a lot of reasons the Rams have for putting their uh, foot on the gas here. And there's um, this, it, this has not been a good season for the Niners in terms of fucking consistency, let alone ability. You have no idea how little that narrows it down. That's just every year for the 49ers. It really has been. It really has. Ever since that Super Bowl run. Fucking wild, yeah. The power going out in that stadium ended that dynasty. Yeah. That was a curse that has plagued their house. It's just wild, man. It's just wild how how much we can all look at that team and say it's a good team and 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 yet have them perform the way that they perform. And it stinks because, man, I, as you all know, all four of you, I adore Kyle Shanahan as a coach. And him finding success uh, makes me vicariously successful. Um, and I want to succeed. So the 49ers need to go win the Super Bowl. It would be a true victory for skinny white dudes everywhere. Last demographic who needs a win right now. Oh, yeah. It's been real hard. Skinny white men. Yeah. I yeah. love a, a just 
a dreadful life. Skinny white dudes with a full head of hair. It's been a rough go for him out there. Solid, solidly middle class, just <laughs> slightly <laughs> above average height. Yeah, slightly. <laughs> slightly. Yeah. Ever so slightly. No, just no. a hair. Um, so it'll be an interesting week. It, it's really settled out the picture a lot this past couple weeks, especially this this past week, as um, teams that are now definitely out of the playoff hunt that were in it just moments ago. The Dolphins at eight and eight. Uh, they're again spanking last week, really thrust them out of their ability to make the playoffs. The Vikings, Falcons, Browns, Broncos, all at seven and nine all got formally eliminated the other day. Um, they all lost last week. It, such is life. They're all bad. They all deserve to lose last week. Um, and finally, the Washington football team also w- somehow was clinging to a sliver of hope that they would be able to, I guess, take over the Eagles position in the standings. Also lost to the Eagles last week, so they have also been eliminated. Uh, speaking of Washington, they're supposed to be announcing, I think next week or some shit like that, uh, their new logo and team name. We talked about it a lot over the past, like two or three years. Yes. Um, according to fucking, who was it? Boomer? Eisen? Uh, Eisen. Um, I've never been able to pronounce it right, so I just kind of go with the least amount of syllables as possible. Um, Let's go Jets. He says that it's going to be the Admirals, which I don't really like, and it also doesn't make much sense. Um, they're not a port city, so that doesn't I was make say, any sense. I mean, there's the Naval Academy in Annapolis, but like how much do you tie Annapolis to DC? Yeah. Yeah. It's closer to fucking Baltimore than it is DC. Oh, significantly. Um I don't like that. I I also don't like the the it feels very lazy the go-to for a military thing, especially for football. You know, like general colonels, like you know, uh admirals I, oh, I just feel so lame i'm not saying most um, of the other teams have creativity I, I mean like the giants who name themselves after an already existing giants football team half these teams are fucking animals like uh, i i'm not saying there has to be an abundance of creativity but man something about the military ones really just irk me uh annapolis is actually uh a pretty good halfway point between Washington and Baltimore. It's like a triangle type. Hey, but if you're going to start, is clo- it is closer to Baltimore. So, if you're going to start claiming nearby things as your own, I mean, like, because DC is for all intents and purposes its own, its own. I don't, state. I don't want, I want to say state, but I know <laughs> it's a big contentious issue. It should be a state, but it's not a state. But for, it, it's got the personality of a state, whereas. I mean, like, I don't think there's anybody in D.C. going like, yeah, Annapolis, D.C. East or some shit like that. Like, yeah, Fucking like if I'm you live Washington, baby, Maryland for life. Yeah, like that's just no, not really, not really. I think they should 
stick with the idea of something with the U.S. government there, name it something after them, you know, keep with the heritage they already have and just name themselves the Washington Whiteskins because oh, it's everybody there anyway. <laughs> oh, proud of that one. I, I really, I hated that one, I think, the most. Um, I... Oh, they they should um, name themselves the Washington Parliament, but Parliament like the band and not Parliament like the government. And their mascot should be a man dressed as George Clinton. <laughs> oh like man! Every... Honestly, if they name themselves the Clintons, the Washington Clinton, I was going to say the Clintons. I would love it just for the me- memes alone. If George Clinton was from DC, I was going to say they should be the Washington Clintons because that'd be fucking hilarious. What's some What's some good Washington DC based groups? Because I I'm pretty sure Parliament is actually from Jersey. <laughs> I don't know um, anyone who's from Washington, D.C. Is Funkadelic? No, wow. Funkadelic's Jersey, too. They're both Jersey. That makes sense. There's a lot of crossover there. All right, hold on. Uh, I googled Washington, D.C. rappers, um, and the first guy that came up is named Fat Trill. No idea. Uh, Fugazi's from D.C., Oh my God, please look up Fat Trill because he has one of the scariest mugshots I have ever fucking seen in my life. I should not be yelling because. Wow, this is. <laughs> oh my God, guy. that's horrifying. I appreciate you, Fat Trill. There are um, a lot of people I would not want to see in an alley at, in an alley at night. Fat Trell has to be up there. He is one of the scariest human beings I've ever seen in my life. Like Good there for him, is man. no, there is no soul left in those eyes. Also, anyone who has a cross tattoo between their eyes is terrifying. That is like mm. one of the scariest tattoos you can have. Anybody who has a cross tattoo, I don't trust you. <laughs> no, you love can't. Jesus that much. Get nope. out of here. You need him in you and on you? Mm, mm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you're doing oh a lot. God, we have to word that better. Are we no. not doing phrasing? I worded that exactly how I wanted to. <laughs> in you and on you. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. All right. Uh, yes, that's all I got, I guess, for, for the standing stuff. Do you have anything anything else? Um, if he named the team the Dan Snyders, do you think anyone would be upset and or surprised? Everyone would be upset and no one would be surprised. Okay, hold on. Peaches and Herb is from D.C. Don't know who that is, but boy, that's a phenomenal movie. All right. Well, you should look up Peaches and Herb because they're great. Um, and if they were either the Washington Peaches or the Washington Herbs, I would be so down for that. Actually, Washington Peaches is kind of a dope name. I know that That's everyone would associate it immediately with Georgia, but like yep. the reasoning, because imagine Washington Peaches and everything's like super psychedelic, like 60s and 70s. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. I would totally be down with this. 
also the Blackbirds are from DC. Um, and the Washington Blackbirds would actually also be a pretty cool name. Not it and it feels so good. There you go. Yeah, I, now, I now know who Peter Singer are. That's going to be yeah. stuck in my head for a long time. Washington Blackbirds. Also a good name. Just saying. For the military and the music. And there's nothing that people love more than military music. That's what we're all about. Um, yeah. All right. Let's saw one that was the Washington Guardians, and I think that would be probably the funniest just because a team literally just changed their name from a racist Indian caricature to the Guardians. And that would be the most quintessential Washington thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. Just yeah. So I'm just I'm going down a, a, a whole different rabbit hole at this point. So we got to move on. Uh, Antonio Brown did some wild shit this week uh, during uh, a game in which the Bucks were losing to the Jets, which this is the one loss that actually really burned deep in my soul this season. Um, the Bucks were losing for like 57 minutes of that game, and. In uh, the second half, Antonio Brown was like, fuck y'all motherfuckers, I am out. And took off his clothes and left the stadium. And obviously there's a lot of outrage over it, but if you've been following the Antonio Brown story for the past three, four years now, this really is just sad. This is just so sad. Obviously, he's done or been accused of some very bad things, especially in the past few years. But man, seeing a dude whose life got so fucked up by CTE like this is brutal. I will take it to my grave to my grave that the hit on Antonio Brown in the playoffs by Vontez Perfect was the absolute catalyst for this. I know it can't be the singular sole event that caused it. I mean, I think it feels like it's though. To an extent, we've learned that that is from repeated hits over and over again. But since that hit in the 2016 playoffs or that sounds 17. No, it was was either the week leading into the playoffs or the playoffs themselves. It's been a dramatic change in character and absolutely when this all kicked off. Well, and they say that brain injuries are much easier to continue to get once you get the first one. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was such a large hit that it ended up producing more over time. Um, Because I know it feels like a while since then, but prior to that hit, Antonio Brown was 16. Really? He was like looked upon as being a very nice guy. Like a very good representation of Steelers football, uh, a good representation of just like a nice dude, um, a, a, a non-dramatic wide receiver. Media, everyone, yeah. Like he was everything you'd want in a fucking player. And oh god, I'm watching the hit again. And it's, it's brutal. Just, it's so it's brutal. And you know to see him because look, the, the the Bucks ended up winning the game. Uh, 
losing to the Jets obviously sucks because they're a very bad team, but it's not the end of the world, especially when you're leading your division by as much as you are. And for him to have that kind of break in a game that I think he was playing well, and I'll pull up his stat line on it. Um, I mean, it, that's not just him quitting on his team. That's a man who's suffering from something mentally that needs to get it fixed. Or that, that, you don't that just needs do to. That. Right, right. Especially when, you know, I know you want to point at 10 different things. The man was going to make a million dollars over the next two weeks for getting just the most bare bones statistics that he's been getting. He, he would have averaged those anyway. You don't just turn back. Like it's, there's nothing pointing to why he would be motivated to do something like that in a rational mindset. Right. Uh, real quick, his stat line for the game was um, five targets, three receptions, 26 yards. I mean, it's almost unbelievably certain that his career is over, correct? So I've been seeing constant updates from probably Schefter saying that he has not actually hit waivers yet, which means that the Bucks haven't formally cut him yet. Mm-hmm. So they might not. I mean, it could be an internal decision that is still pending. Brady might be arguing pretty hard for him over there as apparently that's how he got the gig in Tampa in the first place. Yep. We're probably not really going to know until Sunday if he plays. And even then I wouldn't be surprised if they told him, look, you're sitting out for a week and then uh, as, as, as punishment uh, and then had him play in the playoffs uh, or even just waited to see how the team did without him in that spot and decided if they needed him for the playoffs or something like that. Um, but no matter what, uh, regardless, he is still currently a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Good to know. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Sorry, folks. So that's what's going on with that. It's it's really, it, it doesn't feel like it, it's, too much of a story right now because there's only so much to say about it. Um, I think the more interesting story for the NFL right now is that Baker Mayfield will not be playing Week 18 with the Tam- with the Tampa Bay with the with the fucking Cleveland Browns. You stupid, meaningless city. Um, he is being benched. I don't really know why. Maybe because the Browns don't think it's worth it. Who the fuck knows? Um, but he's not playing week 18, which means his season is over. And now there is a lot of discourse around what's supposed to happen with Baker Mayfield after this year. This is the fourth year uh, of his rookie contract. There is a fifth year player option or team option for um, well, a, a fucking fifth fucking year. And this was the worst year of Baker Mayfield's career so far. Um Wow, he has finished with a quarterback record of six wins in three out of his four seasons in the NFL. That's wild. Um, six and seven, six and ten, eleven and five, six and eight. Uh, he has a career low in both completions and attempts, um, and with the exact same number of games as he had in 2018, and fewer games than he had in eight in 19 and 20. So a little bit with the counting stats and understanding of why it might be lower than the last two years, at least, but this is lower than 2018 as well. Lowest 
yards of his career, lowest second lowest completion percent of his career, lowest touchdowns of his career. Oh, God, he threw 21 interceptions in 2019. I totally forgot that. Uh, 13 interceptions this year, which is the third highest of his career, second lowest of his career, but that's not really good. He's just been throwing a lot of them. So um, he has the lowest adjusted or yards per attempt of his career, the second lowest adjusted yards per attempt of his career, second lowest yards gained per pass attempt of his career, the lowest, second lowest quarterback rating of his career, the lowest quarterback rating or QBR of his career, most sacks of his career, um, and absolutely nothing else that's interesting I can share at the moment. It, it's it's bad. And if you, I could go through the advanced passing stats and adjusted passing stats too. They're all bad. It's all the worst or second worst of his entire career. And man, where where do you stand on what the Browns should do at quarterback? There is absolutely no way he returns to this team next year. I mean, I I don't think he is the starter for an NFL team next year. I don't. Oh, really? For an NFL team? For an NFL team. Um, I just, I mean, outside of injuries and, you know, him signing with the team or being promoted to, you know, the starting role because of injuries or, or some other, you know, unforeseen circumstance like that. I don't think he's a starting quarterback. And if he is, I don't think it's long-term because I, he doesn't ever look like a starting NFL quarterback. And I get that you can say that about a handful of guys in the league, but. So I was going to say, so you think that there's 32 been, quarterbacks better than him? I think it's close. So how would I think there's I think there's like 28 to 32, 33, 34 quarterbacks in the league better than I say that I don't have a list in front of me, so I can't say for certain. But if I was a team in the NFL, I would not want him as my starting QB. He may be better than some of the young rookies or, you know, a rookie coming into the league. I wouldn't want him. I would much rather have a young guy that there's hope for than anything we've seen out of Baker Mayfield. What would you rather have, Baker Mayfield or, oh, fuck, God damn it, what's his fucking name? Son of a bitch. Davis Mills. The guy from the Rams who's now on the Lions. Jared Goff. Jared Goff. Baker Mayfield or Jared Goff? Jared Goff. Really? Mm-hmm. I think I'd rather have Mayfield. Jared, Jared Goff may be as dumb as a doorknob. But if you have a good offensive system, he can run that system and he can make relatively good choices about what to do with the ball while in that system. Baker Mayfield has consistently just shot himself in the foot and been the reason the Browns have failed for the past four seasons. Maybe not exclusively him all of those years, but this year especially, he is the reason the Browns have not won the AFC North. Because the rest of that team was excellent. What would you do? Because an interesting situation that we could see shake out, and it depends on how the Texans view Davis Mills, but as it stands right now, according to Tankathon, the Houston Texans have the number three pick in the draft, uh, which means they'll probably get a top two quarterback depending on what Detroit wants to do. Jacksonville has Trevor Lawrence. They're taking 
they're not taking a quarterback. Uh, the Lions very reasonably, the Lions probably should. Jared Goff is not a long-term solution there, which means the Texans, if they wanted to, could take a quarterback. Um, you're shaking your head. You don't think they will? Uh, I don't. As of now, everything I've seen for the QB class for this next year, there's not a guy that should be taken top 10. So I was going to say, either way, really, whether the Texans decide to draft a quarterback uh, with the number three pick or retain Davis Mills as he is. Uh, how old is Davis Mills? 22. 23. Um, they could bring in Baker Mayfield just to have a quarterback room. They could. It depends they on what they do, do with Deshaun Watson. Because oh, not, that would be a lot of money based on I'm just saying money-wise, that's a lot of money to have invested in a QB room that's not playing. That's what I was going to say. It also depends on what happens with the contract because they should not do what the Panthers did, which is trade for Sam Darnold and then uh, pick up his fifth-year option. I have no idea who would trade for Sam Darnold or trade for Baker Mayfield at this point, especially after that uh, extension was signed. Oh, my God, I forgot about the extension. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, that's the issue. I totally fucking forgot about it. When's he signed through? Uh, the end of next season? Two seasons? Hold on, I'm pulling uh, it up. I'm pulling it up on Spot Track. He signed Same. through 2022. And next year, his cap hit is just under $19 million. Yeah. yeah. Which is probably fine. If you're the brand, you will trade him for anything you can get. But if not, I think you eat that money. Let's see. uh, Let's see what the Brown situation is. Where the fuck am I looking now? 2022 Cleveland Browns update. They have uh, $36.5 million in total cap space with uh, Baker Mayfield's. Uh, he would have – his cap hit is 18.9, so it's all guaranteed. Yeah, it's all fully guaranteed. We know it would be funny. What would be funny is if the uh, is if fucking Carson Wentz retired as all Colts quarterbacks do after uh, their one season there, and then they traded for Baker Mayfield and then made the playoffs again. Would be funny. Be pretty There's fucking funny. The way that happens. At least Carson Wentz like has a proven that he has the ability to be an NFL quarterback and play at a near MVP level. Um. And the yips were more of a uh, uh, almost a mental thing rather than just I don't know. I, honestly, Baker Mayfield might just be incredibly mental too because when he gets in like his right headspace, that you know, just mojo, you know, dog on a chain kind of you know fighting attitude, he's fucking great. Um, the problem is that's very rare at this point. Uh, I don't know. 
I don't fucking know. Yeah, well, all those fucking if he, if he Baker's house send... commercials, I'm sure, didn't help. If he wants to re-sign for another 10 years in Cleveland, fine by me. Fine by me. Well, and it's all it it it's tough to know what, what the Browns alternative is, especially if the incoming quarterback class for the draft isn't very good because <laughs> I, it's tough to know what else they could really do. I mean, the other quarterbacks on the on the Browns roster right now are, let's see, hold on. I had it up. Fuck. Okay. Uh, Case Keenum and Nick Mullins. That's shit. That's total shit. Uh And that's the the real question because it's like, it's easy for us to sit here and say that Baker Mayfield had an ass season, at least by his standards. Um, or by what the Browns need to be successful and they should move on from him. Cause the tougher part of that is with who, because the Browns are not in a spot where they could draft uh, a good quarterback in the draft. Theoretically speaking, they have the 13th pick in the draft. And from what you're saying, there isn't, if there's not a quarterback worth picking in the top 10, that means that no one else is really a shining example of what to do. Now the Browns could still spend their first, for their first round pick on a quarterback, if they think that there's somebody of good value at 13, but with that dearth of talent entering into the NFL, it's basically going to be status quo or worse for next for worse for next year. That's the tough part. Oh man. I don't know why I thought Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson were free agents in 2022. Um, probably because they've been talked about so heavily about, you know, finding new teams and things like that. That is not the case. Um, Jameis Winston might be the best quarterback who's available as a free agent. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky. This is awful. This is getting worse by the second. Andy Dalton, Cam Newton. So I guess I should backpedal heavily and say that I think Baker Mayfield will be the starting quarterback for Cleveland Browns in 2022. Yeah, it's really boy, it's hard to find him out here. Really, I think the pivot is instead of pivoting away from Baker and to somebody else. I think if if you're the GM of the Browns, the pivot is away from building around Baker Mayfield. And the pivot is to building a team that you can insert a new quarterback into. So you're no longer going to construct in the offseason and the draft a team that's suited to Baker Mayfield's strengths. You're going to uh, start building a team around the concept of the fact that you're going to have to replace your quarterback soon. The, the 2018 draft is just fucking hilarious. Baker Mayfield goes first. Sam Darnold goes third. Josh Allen goes seven. Josh Rosen goes 10. And then all the way down to 32 is Lamar Jackson. God, how that could have been. Like, I remember watching this draft, seeing Baker get taken first and being like, wow, that's so surprising. I'm amazed that they like Baker so much. And how different the Browns just whole perspective can be it's just for that one little change which 
Granted, that can be said about literally every draft for literally every team, literally ever. But man, it's especially hilarious for them. So for this upcoming year's draft, there are three. I'm looking at the mock draft from Tankathon just to get a, a peek at what they're thinking, what someone's thinking about where quarterbacks go. And they have three quarterbacks being taken in the first round which is really quite a drop-off from what we've seen in recent past where it feels like there's five quarterbacks that go in the first round every year. They have uh, the sixth overall pick, Carolina, getting Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh. I'm sure you're going to think that's high. Uh, which pick, sorry? Six. Um, high for value, probably what would actually happen? I mean, quarterbacks have, just don't, you know. For the ninth pick, going to the Washington team, they have Matt Coral, quarterback out of Ole Miss. Corral. Corral. And, it, and no comments on that? I don't know anything um, about these guys, so, I, so I, I rely on you for information. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, he – I don't know. It's what pick was it again? Nine. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because it's not where they should be taken; it's where they need to be taken. So, are there going to be two or three quarterbacks taken in the first fifteen picks? Yeah, absolutely. There always is. I mean, if you had to put them in order, I probably would put it: Pickett, Corral, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, Malik. Something I, in there somewhere. Uh, 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 I was looking for like a yeah, he's good, good ball. He's fun. Good. Yeah, he's he gets some quick release. <laughs> athletic, not the most accurate, but yeah, the elevator pitch scouting report. Yeah. Yeah. Um also I, I guess I should should note um if Panthers take Kenny Pickett or take a quarterback, uh that puts on the market Cam Newton if he doesn't retire and Sam Darnold, which is probably neither of whom would be an improvement over Baker Mayfield at this point in their careers. And P.J. Walker. Oh, they'd probably retain him, wouldn't they? His contract isn't up, is it? This year. It's up this year? Mm-hmm. Oh, ah, well, then, then yeah, P.J. Walker. Uh, if Washington takes a quarterback, that puts, what, fucking Taylor Heineke on the market? Right. Yeah, maybe unless I could see him staying just because I I doubt he's going to find any more success anywhere else. I'm just trying to I'm trying to think of like for the Browns where they could get other players from. Yeah, Taylor Heineke. uh, Oh, my God. So uh, it's a whole other rabbit hole. I'm not sure I want to go down it. Uh, But what would what's your I want to see your reaction. Uh, to this, Taylor Heineke has more passing yards than Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Corin has taken off his glasses. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't say it's surprising. <sighs> really funny, though. Yeah, Taylor Heineke's completion percent is five points higher than Baker Mayfield's. Mm. He has more touchdowns. Oh, buddy, buddy. Yeah, oh, my God, this is 
Taylor Haneke has 36 sacks, 35 sacks in the season, and that's still fewer than Baker Mayfield has. Man, that's really putting into perspective Baker Mayfield season for me. Oof. Uh, so anyway, the last quarterback they have taken in the first round, there will be others. I'm not going down that rabbit hole. Is Malik Willis out of Liberty? Yes. Um, going uh, 30th overall to the Detroit Lions. Um, um, which again, really wouldn't put anybody on the market. It would put, I guess, Jerry Goff out there. Um, but I'm sure he'd be expensive. I, I don't know. Marginal improvement. I'm not sure it's worth the headache for the Browns. Yeah, I agree with that. It's an interesting dilemma for them to have to be in. I think this year will probably end up having to be the last year of them. Uh, year of Baker, I think no matter what, whether it's via trade or they're not, I don't think they're going to give him a second contract, but I think he'll be there this year to ride out the one they gave him already. Yeah. I think that's how it's going to play out. Uh, I don't see how they would ever see value that would say, Hey, Baker Mayfield, we're going to, we're going to give you a second chance, a third chance, whatever it is. They'd want to move on. They're too complete of a team outside of Baker Mayfield to give him more opportunities. I want to close this question or this topic on this question. Who makes the playoffs first? The Jets or the Browns? Um, hmm. (laughs) The Browns, mostly because I think they are a quarterback away. And their path to the playoffs is significantly easier than going through, you know. The Jets need a lot of help. And I think that, you know, getting past the Bills and the Patriots is still going to be a mighty toll. Yeah, I would I would agree for the exact same reasons. The, the Browns roster is way more put together than the Jets' Jets is, is. But it's also wild to look at these two teams that feel so miles apart in terms of roster construction, and the Browns have two more wins. Right. That's really fucking ugly. So anyway, all right, that's it for the NFL. One quick topic uh, on MLB before we wrap up for the day. Ken Rosenthal, who is currently a, a writer for The Athletic, has been for quite some time, had been a longtime contributor to MLB Network and had been one of their in-game uh, sideline reporters and that type of stuff when they've done when MLB Network has had access to broadcasting rights to MLB games. Uh, He has been let go, or at least his contract has not been picked up again by MLB Network. And what is being seen as a retaliatory move as uh, he has been vocal in his criticisms against Rob Manfred. And for that reason, he is not being brought back. And for that reason, I don't know. it's It's an interesting story in that just because you know Something is the way it is. Does it mean that when it happens, you aren't surprised? Or, you know, you don't, it doesn't elicit a certain emotion. You know, like we all know Rob Manfred's a bad guy and people who are in power in general are very petty and small and would do this type of shit. Um, but it's still like, oh, look, they actually did it. That's kind of, that sucks. That's, I'm surprised they actually are. Um, I, I have a feeling about this, even though I expected it. And that's kind of where I'm at anyway. I'm not surprised in the slightest. I, I'm, I'm annoyed. I feel bad for Ken Rosenthal. He seems like he's a nice enough guy, I guess. Um, 
but I'm not I'm not surprised by this. Do you think this is enough for us to get rid of Rob Manfred? Oh, us? I, I'm I'm personally ready to get rid of Mom, Rob, Rob Manfred like like years ago. Uh, you know what I mean? It's it's not. The owners don't care about this type of stuff. The real, the most surprising part about this is that Manfred cares enough about this, um, because the thing about suppressing uh, negative opinions about yourself and your actions from members of the media is that you'll never do it. It'll never work. You will never fully suppress uh, uh, contrasting opinions to or, or, or negative opinions of, of your actions and personality and the manner in which you run your whatever it is you run and it's it's almost like you could learn that from the entirety of human history yeah like any singular moment in history every single political uprising anything look at like rob manfred i can't believe he's so desperate to build himself a bubble like this and i can't believe he thinks not bringing back ken rosenthal will help that's the part i think that really feels surprising for me is that why is this even on your radar? How are you this small in in your in the scope of it? Like, like you're well, gonna get criticized by other fucking people, you big dumb idiot. This is what happens when you have nothing else to do because you're sure as hell not negotiating with the players union. So you're just sitting on your ass all day on Twitter reading all the mentions. That's true. Uh, it has been reported that there has been zero substantive talks between the two sides in the past three weeks, which is bad. Um so it does beg the question of Bobby Bobby Manfred's what the fuck's you doing? But uh, Corey and I were joking that I was going to get worked into a frenzy over this, and I could work myself up into a nice good lather anytime. Uh, but it, it's tough to over this. It feels there so has to be a better way to say that. <laughs> no, 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 that's that was the best way I had on deck. Um, I, it I, I sucks for sucks for Ken. He's got another job. He works for the Athletic. He'll be on. TV somewhere. I'm sure ESPN will pick them up or something like that. Um, yeah, it, it sucks. MLB blows. We all knew that already. Yes, we did. But shout out to Ken for being you. Great. Thanks, Ken. All right. Well, I've been yawning for the past like 20 minutes, so we're going to get out of here. Corey, you got anything else? Absolutely not. All right, well, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juice and Pod. If you'd like to hit us up via email, you can do so at juicethenumbers at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Helner. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Josh Woody Tracy. And uh, until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.